This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is entitled, How to Conquer the World, the Flesh, and the Devil. James gave clue that we are in spiritual warfare. And if you will, we are being attacked by land, sea, and air. There are three forces that are attacking Christians. They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now we get this clue when he says in James chapter 2, verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. There you have it. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the Apostle Paul taught about this more explicitly when in Ephesians he said, and this is Ephesians chapter 2, he was saying that we, are in, we used to belong to these elements. We used to follow the way of these things. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable Riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is a truth that Paul is spelling out for us that shows that there are three things that used to control us and dominate us 100%. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But thanks to Christ dying for us, God, who is rich in mercy, provided his own son, Jesus, to be our Savior and Lord. We are forgiven of our sins. We have been raised to newness of life. And our true life is at the right hand of the Father, ascended with Christ. So we have victory and can have victory in this war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. First of all, we look at 
First of all, we look at the flesh. And the answer to conquering the flesh is to go to God with your needs. James 4, 1 to 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Again, this goes back to what James said earlier, that bitter envy and selfish ambition is uh, the author of every form of chaos and evil practice. What causes conflict is selfishness and pride. Our desires battle within us, and we'll do anything to get what we want. I have to have that or I'll die, is the attitude that the flesh has. Now let me make a quick distinction between the flesh on our bodies and the sin principle that is within us because we're human beings. There's a difference. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And we are all in a fallen state because of Adam. We were in Adam. And that means being physical human beings, our bodies are not bad, material things are not bad, it's the sin principle that ornery rascal inside of us that wants to do bad things, that wants to say no to God, I can do it myself. Ever hear a toddler say that? You don't have to teach a toddler about sin. It's part of the sin nature. We're born in sin. We practice sin, and we're guilty of sin, all of us. But when we trust in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven of our sin, and we're made into a new creation in Christ. It doesn't mean we don't still struggle with the sin principle called the flesh, but it does mean we have the Spirit of God and the means by which to conquer the flesh. Now, in this case, James is writing to a very specific setting where the Jewish Christians are fighting and arguing among themselves. They are slandering each other and accusing each other, and there's disunity. And the reason for that is the flesh. Who doesn't want the limelight of being the leader, the teacher? Many were wanting the platform, but out of pride, not out of a desire for true service. There was bitter envy and selfish ambition. There was coveting. Whatever you have, I want. Whatever you have is mine. Mine, mine, mine. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, speaking of the works of the flesh, that the works of the flesh are obvious. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, 
discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The works of the flesh are anti-relational. The works of the flesh break down friendships and relationships and community. The works of the flesh are self-destructive. They tear you down as well as they tear others down. So you want to learn how to conquer the flesh. You want to grab your wanter by your willer. So you may want to punch someone in the nose who bothers you, but you've got to grab your wanter by your willer and say, that's not a good idea. He's bigger than me. So what is the solution? How can you conquer the flesh? The answer is here in 2B and 3 of chapter 4 of James. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's the secret. We all have thirsts. We all have hungers. We all have desires. And that's not all bad. But we should take those thirsts and hungers and desires to the Lord and ask Him for wisdom as to how He wants to meet our needs as opposed to meeting our own needs our own way. Have you ever heard the expression, He was looking for love in all the wrong places. What is that person doing? They're trying to fill the hole in their heart for relationship and love and companionship in all the wrong ways. In ways of selfish gratification, in ways of pride, in the ways of um, the world. And so the flesh needs to be conquered. How can it be conquered? Through prayer, take your needs to God. God, how do you want to meet this need? Now, there's a correction built in in verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So those who do pray have an agenda when they pray. They say, God... I want lots of wisdom and understanding so that I could be a teacher. So I could be the first-rate teacher. I could be the best teacher in this uh, Christian synagogue. They're asking for God to supersize their ambition. They're asking God to supersize their ego. And it's already too big. God will not bless a person who is saying, I need to be number one at all times. God will not bless a know-it-all who wants the world to know that he or she is a know-it-all. God will not answer those prayers. God will answer prayers that are in a line with his glory, with his holiness, with his word, with his will. So when we ask, We ask in Jesus' name. We ask in the character and to the glory of the person, Jesus. Whatever Jesus is about, 
That's what the Holy Spirit will replicate. That's what the Holy Spirit will empower. That's what the Holy Spirit will allow to occur. Those are prayers that are answered. Delight in the Lord and he'll grant you the desires of of your heart. But you've got to delight in the Lord. And then as you delight in the Lord, the desires of your heart will be in line with what the Lord desires. We're to set our minds on the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is holiness. That's why he's called it the Holy Spirit. So how do we conquer the flesh? There's many other verses in the scriptures that talk about conquering the flesh by the power of the Spirit, by considering yourself dead that is unresponsive to the flesh, by keeping in step with the Spirit. But here is a very simple, basic truth. Why not bring your neediness to God? Why not admit to Him that you're struggling right now with some thirsts and hungers and desires that you don't know how to fulfill? And ask Him, how do you want to meet these needs? That's as basic as you can get. Then the world. The world, the way to conquer the world is return to being faithful to God. James 4, 4 4-6. You adulterous people, James says. And by the way, he's speaking to Christians in the book of James. He's not afraid to call Christians adulterous people, double-minded, or sinners. There's times when we as Christians, instead of being saints and children of God and children of light, we resemble more adulterers and double-minded people and sinners. And we need to admit that and correct that. There was a man sitting on the front porch of his house. And this dog next to him, his dog, was moaning and groaning in pain. And somebody walking by said, what's wrong with your dog? And the man said, he's sitting on a nail. Well, why don't you do something about it? Oh, he'll do something about it when it hurts enough. You see, what happens is we don't hurt enough. We're treating sin like it's a powder puff than a rattlesnake. We've gone into a restaurant where they've given us a menu and it's dark in that restaurant. And we say, we can't see. And the waiter says, take a while and your eyes will adjust. And all of our vision has adjusted down to a dark world. We need to realize that it's adultery. It's unfaithful betrayal to a holy God to align ourselves with the world and the things of the world. In 1 John chapter one, chapter 2, verse 15, uh, do not love the world or the things of the world because these are not from God. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. The man who does the will of God abides forever. So this world has a bunch of counterfeit things that it wants to offer of you. It wants to offer of you success and prestige and power and prosperity and uh, all sorts of pleasures But you know what? Doing the will of God is what truly satisfies and what satisfies not in this life only, but for all eternity. That's where it's at. 
But like a marriage partner, Christians have been known to step out on God, to cheat on God, to be adulterous. Hosea chapter 3 verse 1 speaks of that. And in my devotions, I was reading about Ezekiel 23, Samaria and Jerusalem being unfaithful wives to God, their husband. And so it's possible for Christians to compromise their faith, to identify with the world. It goes on to say, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. How can you conquer the world? And let me make a quick explanation and clarification on this one. The world is not the planet Earth. The world is referring to the world system, the cosmos. The world system is Satan's control of everything pertaining to this world to try to keep us from a vertical dimension. Solomon wrote about this. Everything under the sun without a vertical dimension is empty. It's vanity of vanities. And so Satan uses the world system, Madison Madison Avenue advertising and media of all kinds to promote and disciple people in worldliness. And if you become a friend of the world that no one can see a difference between you and a non-Christian, then you've become an enemy of God. How can you deal with that? Verse 5 says you need to be convicted. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? In other words, be convicted that the Holy Spirit inside of you is envying intensely, come back, you belong to your husband, the Lord. You are trafficking in the wrong direction. You are betraying him. You are violating your covenant with him. You are being unfaithful. Come back, return to being faithful to God. You're going to be miserable until you do. The Holy Spirit inside of you will not give you peace or enjoyment until you return to faithfulness to God. And there's good news. That if you return to God, he promises you this. According to James 3, verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. The moment you choose to listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you who's convicting you that you are too worldly and you repent and return to the Lord, he gives you supernatural grace and the power of his Holy Spirit to be able to return to him. He gets behind you. He sends all the resources of heaven to encourage you in that direction. But you've got to humble yourself. As long as you're proud, as long as you don't think there's any difference between you and the world, there's no hope for you because you are in an adulterous relationship with the world. Return to being faithful to God. He will bless and honor that choice. Thirdly, the devil. We're in spiritual warfare with the devil. 
and his demons. The devil can't be all places at all times, and he doesn't know all things, but he has an army called demons, fallen angels, who are working us over. And James says, here's what to do. In James 4, 7 to 12, he says, submit yourself then to God. Number one, submit yourself to God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul speaks of spiritual warfare, and he says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So, apart from the Lord, we are weak, we are putty, we are vulnerable, we will be crushed by the enemy. We have to first submit ourselves to God. We need to rest and rely upon his strength, his might, his power, putting on the full armor of God. And having done that, we resist the devil. And the promise James gives, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've heard people who, feeling the attack of the enemy, have read the scriptures aloud. They've read uh, Psalm 91 of God's protection. Or they've read uh, different passages that have blessed them and they've taken their stand on the word of God and the devil has had to leave them alone. Of course, pleading the blood of Christ causes Satan to run away because he hates the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is what cleanses us. The blood of Christ is what protects us. The blood of Christ is what keeps us in fellowship with God and with one another. The blood of Christ gives us freedom in Christ because it's like acid. It just burns right through the chains that Satan tries to bind us with. So resist the devil in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God, and he will flee from you. But we are to repent. We're to come near to God and know that he will come near to us. Now, when you come near to God, you realize he's always been there. He never moved, but you did. You wandered and, and went AWOL, absent without official leave. And when you finally come near to God, he's been waiting for you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. How do you come near to God? You wash your hands, you sinners. Again, calling Christians sinners. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words, don't take sin lightly. Take sin seriously. Repent. Turn from your sins. Grieve that you've been grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit by your disobedience. When you turn to the Lord and you come near to him in repentance, it's not crocodile tears of repentance. It's a change of your mind that says, Lord, I'm going to call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. 
and I'm going to, by your grace and by your spirit, have nothing to do with lesser things, but head towards you. Fix my eyes upon you. And we are to relinquish pride. Verse 10 and 11 and 12, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, many of us tie that in with the preceding verses that if we come to the Lord, near to the Lord, through repentance, it also involves humbling ourselves. And the answer is yes, those are tied together. But as I studied this passage, think about this. How does Satan want to attack us? He wants to attack us by using fellow Christians. When he can get fellow Christians to accuse other Christians, to criticize other Christians, to tear down other Christians, those Christians are doing the work of the devil. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses people before God. He accuses people uh, within themselves. And he accuses people, Christians, through other Christians. So, to humble ourselves is to relinquish ourselves of the pride that makes us think that we're the judge of other people. Let's get this thing straight. There's only one judge and lawgiver, and that's God. Do you have a right? Do I have a right to judge a fellow Christian? The answer is absolutely not. So he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. That's the work of the devil. Anyone who speaks against the brother, the work of the devil, or a sister, or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So again, an extension of the devil. How do you overcome the devil? You recognize God's the only judge. My job is to love, not to judge. God will judge. My job is to love. So I relinquish my pride to think that I'm better than anybody else. And I realize the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus. And I'm not going to judge my neighbor. I'm not going to slander him. I'm not going to say anything about anyone that would cause somebody else to think less of them. That's what slander is. When you say something about somebody that causes that person to think less of another person, you have slandered that person. Character assassination, false accusations, half-truth accusations are damaging and are from the devil. Keep your opinions to yourself and think of whatever is excellent and worthy of praise while you're at it. So here's how we overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh, we go to God with our needs in prayer. The world, we return to being faithful to God because we're miserable until we do. The Holy Spirit is just working us over saying, come on back, I'm jealous for you to be all God's. And God gives us grace when we return. And the devil, we resist him and we repent and we relinquish any form of pride that makes us think we can judge and criticize other people. That's how we conquer the flesh, the world, and the devil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we needed this word today. 
So often we are superficial and go on in life ho-hum without paying attention to the damage we can do by giving our in to the flesh, by giving in to its desires that result in conflict and division, by giving in to the world and being just like the world and not like Christ, by giving in to the devil and, and um, accusing others and slandering others and judging others. Oh Lord, please, by your spirit and by your grace, increasingly deliver us from the flesh, the world, and the devil. None of us are perfectly free. None of us have conquered it all. None of us have attained all of this. But this one thing we do, we press on to take hold of you because you've taken hold of us. So thank you, Lord, that greater are you in us than he who is in the world. And that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. Lord, it's only by you that we can experience any and all victory. It's only by the promise that we're going to be in heaven and made completely free from sin that we thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. You died to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify a people unto yourself who are eager to do good. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.